Hello, welcome back to Pro Tri News. Our goal here is obviously to put a microscope on the underbelly of triathlon, explain the ins and outs of the sport, not so much talk about interviewing people and things like that. Um, today I'm joined by the road warrior, Pat Lemieux, burning up the road up in Oregon. Up and down between me here in uh, Portland and Eugene, back in Portland right now, ready to go back to Eugene for the uh, 10K trials on Saturday night. Jeez. Our favorite cup of tea, Mark Matthews. Hey, Nano. Everyone's favorite training partner, Chelsea Burns. Yep, getting pretty tired. Uh, the Mr. Talbot Cox is joining us briefly before uh, he gets things hot and heavy in Coeur d'Alene. I am in Coeur d'Alene. We just landed in Coeur d'Alene, and I'm pretty fired up. We're also joined today by uh, the slam dunk champion, Chase McQueen. What's up, guys? Chase, really thrilled to have you on. Okay, so Chase has been a big fan of the show. Me and Talbot have known Chase for like six years. Um, we met together, I guess, over uh, whenever he was still a junior racing uh, with Dar Smith and uh, Austin Heineman and things like that. And you're still training with them now, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think if I remember right, I think, Kyle, did I meet you in Chicago at the grand final there as a junior? Yeah, yeah, it's been been a long road but um yeah still training with darn austin uh yes i'm happy i can help chase were you a recipient of uh the scholarship as well one year i was yeah hey was, there we uh, go it was after i think it was maybe 2016 so cool yeah that was a big deal for me i remember like getting a call from gwen when i was like 17 and I was like, <laughs> the coolest thing ever. amazing all right okay talbot are you on the line can we are we going to start with the try battle you know, I'm. I mean, I yeah. I just landed in Quarter Lane. I want to dive into the tri battle, but I think the tri battle is something that like needs to have its own episode. I mean, it's so much uh, with between Jan and Lionel. Quarter Lane's going on this weekend, but I think this deserves its own episode, and we can probably even bring Lionel in on it as well. What are your thoughts? You know? So we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge that we saw the tri battle. It's coming to real life, and we're gonna talk about it at a later date because we've got a lot to get through today. Do we need to start a GoFundMe before we can get um, Lionel to come on? And maybe even Yawn. I mean, we could, I don't know if we have the funding for that, but we've known about it for a long time. We've we've just been lip sealed. And you guys, uh, yeah, and you guys lined me up. You lined me up last week to look a fool, didn't you? Slam on Lionel, even though you knew it was coming. You sat on your hands and watched me go. Cheers, guys. Yeah, that's right. So we're, we are, you know, look, here's the deal for the listeners. If you haven't seen, Lionel and Jan are facing off at a full distance Ironman in Germany. Um, we've got, we're, look, we got to just dedicate an entire episode. Um, Chase, you're new to the pod. You didn't, you, you, you didn't know about it. Can you just give us your initial thoughts and then we'll move on to results? On the pod or the tri battle? On the tri battle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've kind of seen uh, seen Lionel and Jan stirring the pot a little bit on social media. Um, I'm definitely excited for it. I think it's good for the sport. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of both of those guys. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be interesting. You know, Jan's going to be out front. Obviously, Lionel's going to push the pace on the bike. And then, you know, with no drafting, no other people in the race, like, let's see what happens on the run. It's going to be... 1v1 it'll be pretty lit okay so let's get we're not taking anybody else's opinion but because most likely you won't be on next week's episode who do you got Jan or Lionel I 
feel like I, I, I can't bet against Jan, you know, like Lionel's the underdog, but you know, maybe, maybe he'll win. I, I, I just got to go with Jan. That's the gut feeling. Fair enough. He, fair enough. Fair enough. Across the board, you know, he, he's like the best to ever do it. So that's right. Talbot that's looks right. like he's having a panic attack over there. <laughs> All right, Kyle, let's, let's, let's get us into results. All right. 70.3 Des Moines happened over the weekend. There was, it was insane. There was a uh, massive freak storm that happened, delayed the start three hours till 9.30. They also had to shorten the bike course, so instead of doing two loops on the bike, they just did one, so it was a 28-mile bike. Uh, first place for the men was Jason West with a personal best career run with a 109.36. Uh, second was Colin, I don't know how to say his last name, Chelsea? Chelsea? Yeah, Colin Chartier, I think. He raced ITU with you guys, I assume. A bit, yeah. He's at some World Cups. He's an interesting guy. I don't know if you guys know a lot about him, but he's kind of, he's a sports, and I'd say sports enthusiast. He's like been getting into some like downhill cross-country skiing. Um, he's been doing some like ITU stuff, some long course stuff. He's, I've seen, he's been in some like boxing videos on Instagram. He's kind of all over the place, but obviously a super talented athlete. Seems like an interesting gap. Uh, third place, Jackson Laundry. Women's first place, Holly Lawrence, with also personal best run of a 118.08. Um, Emma Plant with a 116.55 run, fastest of the day. Um, Jackie Hearing and Jeannie Metzler had a battle up until about 7K on the run, and then uh, Jackie kind of started pulling away. The thing about the shortened bike course, I was very surprised to see um, those strong runners uh, didn't really capitalize, and Holly had a phenomenal day. Yeah, but you would also think that Holly's advantage would have been significantly greater if she'd had another lap on the bike. I think the race only got as close to Emma because of the shortened bike course rather than you know, it, it allowing the runners to run really fast. I thought really Holly would have been further up the road. Um, she was the fastest on the bike and, and, and really convincing runoff of it. It was, yeah. Emma ran really well into second place. Um, the big one was Jeannie Metzler, wasn't it? She had maybe the, the biggest surprise result of the day was Jeannie Metzler's maybe underperformance on the run for her. Um, but she's put out some good stuff on it since and it's probably not reflective of current form or just one of those racing occurrences. Yeah. I did catch up with Emma. She did have uh, uh, some mechanical issues. She obviously didn't mention that on any of social media because she's class act, but um, she did have a, a bit of mechanical problem. So it's she said, I'm, I'm glad that the bike was shortened because otherwise it would have gotten 10 times worse rather than just doing one loop. It would have been two loops of uh, problems. But also props to Jason West for uh, kind of making his a bigger jump, I guess, into 70.3 after not being selected for any more Olympics. Uh, I think he's going to come more so on, on the non-draft side. Yeah, and the other one, the last one on that was maybe Eric Langestrom's kind of surprisingly uh, average performance for an athlete previously of his caliber. I don't know whether he's just he's making the the financial decision to invest in other revenue streams rather than just dedicating all his time to his own training or whether it was just a bad result. Either way, um, well, I love his YouTube channel, so if that's what he's putting his time into, he's certainly paying off in that respect. But uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't in his usual form. As Morgan Pearson would say, as Morgan Pearson would say, performance over social media. 
and unless yeah, but Morgan Pearson's social media doesn't pay the same as Eric Langstrom's and uh, Paula's. I don't think somehow. Yeah, that's that's facts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we should you guys probably keep social media. Morgan so Pearson. I gotta say something. I gotta say something. Lucy Charles, her reels are so entertaining. I could watch her reel videos like every day. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with her TikToks and her reels on Instagram and her social media posts, but Lucy's doing a great job, I feel like. Is that because you're drooling over her, or is no, that because they're no. entertaining? They're entertaining. I will find, Kyle, or... Ta- There's a lot of thought behind her, her reels. Talbot, we'll find out. If, if if Kyle starts blushing when he sees her at Kona, we're going to know what the deal is. We're going to know what the deal is. I will. I, I do I do want to say one thing. We, we commented earlier on Jeannie Seymour's race. GD Seymour posted earlier that she thinks um, possibly like a mental, uh, I don't know, like a mental health problem and like that. And she's seeing a counselor, which I think that's pretty common uh, today in today's society. And people are bringing up so much more awareness. So I just want to tip my hat to Jeannie for getting a, a mental health coach to help her through kind of her tough times before a race, um, anxiety and things like that. Uh, I, th- I think that she is an incredibly gifted athlete. Uh, so I think that once she, I, th- I think the best is yet to come with Jeannie. I- I'm really looking forward to seeing her put everything together. She has a new coach. Um, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to tip my hat to her. Who's her hey, coach? To, to add on that Talbot, her coach is Ian O'Brien. She trains with a bunch of ITU guys here in Boulder, but I think it's pretty cool. We're seeing more and more people, kind of come out on Instagram or social media in general with these more personal stories or struggles that they're dealing with. And um, yeah, respect to her and everyone who's putting out their inside story there that's maybe not all that comfortable. Is that the first ITU athlete that Ian's coached? Long course? Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Chase? I think so. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I can't either. That's awesome. Well, she runs like one, doesn't she? That's for sure. Yeah, she does. I mean, she's battling up with Taylor Nib every day. She's definitely got some good training partners here to push her, so. Um, okay, let's get into challenge Gdynia. Yeah, so uh, over this side of the pond um, in the Tri-City area of Poland, um, the men's race was, there was a split fairly early on the bike and uh, there was five athletes up the road on the bike, which included the podium finishing with James Teagle of the UK won it with Matt Trotman in second and Pablo De Pina in third for another podium for Pablo De Pina. Um, James Teagle comes from a bit of uh, the short course stuff. He's raced some World Cups. He's a what we keep referring to as ITU athletes and Chelsea keeps correcting us. But yeah, he's a short course athlete that's come across. He has um, He's very, very fast. That's so kind of unsurprising, actually. He made that front lead group with Jan in Gran Canaria. Um, he's not done well in the heat in the past and he's quite proud of this race in terms of he managed to work through some of his heat issue problems. He's like we saw with Luke Pollard last week. He's been in the back of an ambulance after races, even at Olympic distance a few times. So good to see him bang down a great result. Um, in the women's race, we had Sarisha de Vries out of the Netherlands uh, taking a win. She's having an awesome year. She got second in Gran Canaria, bagged another podium between those two races and bagged the win here. Uh, she ran down and actually almost biked down Lucy Hall, who took another second place off the back of her second place at Eton Dorney last week. And... Um, in third place here, it says Leanne Fenoy, but I thought it was um, Caroline Riederer, but in case I might have tuned out before the third place came home, so sorry if I got that one wrong. But one of those two pulling up the third place position there. 
Um, things worth mentioning, Pablo de Pina, I think, is probably chasing the points at the challenge end of year bonus. This is something Peter Hemerick swept up in the past. It's like a prize pot, and he's doing all of those races. Um, and sort of as we expected from the women's race, yeah, kind of that's Gdynia. Okay, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mark. Give me a heads up on James Teagle. Uh, I haven't, I feel terrible saying this, but I haven't heard of him, but give me, give me the uh, background quick on him. Well, if you, so sorry, yeah, just to confirm, if it was Fanny Leanne in second, uh, sorry, third, and Caroline Reader uh, did get pipped to the end in fourth. Um, James Teagle is, uh, he's, if you meet him, you won't forget him. I, ch- I chat to him quite a lot. He's one of these really odd kind of, uh, you would describe him. He's very confident for someone that you, you know, you like you said you haven't heard of. Um, he went into Gran Canaria pretty much sure he was going to beat Jan, um, and that's the kind of guy he is. But in a quite humble way, and clearly he can back it up a bit. He's raced a lot. He was on the British Tri Performance Squad and trained at one of the uni squads there. And he now does a bit of coaching, and he's moved to Cambridge with his girlfriend, trains himself, um, does a lot of training on his own. And I think you'll see him tear up the seventy point three circuit for a while. But uh, he's how, a very how well old is he? Uh, twenty-four, something like that. Maybe younger. I'll, I'll bring oh, it wow. up. Got, so he's got a ton. Of, so he's got a ton of life left. He, in he, he might. He may be younger than that as well. To be honest. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Ton of time. He can swim with the very front pack. Uh. His bike. You know. He held Jan for that entire bike course in Gran Canaria with that group. So he can certainly ride. And um. And his run there at one twelve, which certainly was accurate, if not long. So yeah, he's a he's a seriously all round athlete. I think I think he's 25 years old. Okay, thanks. Cheers, man. Yeah, yeah, I uh, definitely have like heard his name in and out of the ITU scene. Yeah, he was he was on the fringes of you know he was going for the Olympic route and realized earlier on that he wasn't going to make it and he switched across to going a bit longer. And we're we going straight on to previews. I think so. I don't think we have anything else to cover from this week. Other than the tribe battle, but we've decided that we're going to uh, save that for another, another pod. And then also uh, the big race coming up this weekend. Yeah, there's which one? There's two, aren't there? Elsnor in the in Europe, and then there's a little American Ironman on uh, Sunday as well, Quarter Lane. <laughs> All right, let's start. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with the seventy point three. Mark, help us out. Yeah, so you've got, uh, this is the Danish champs, but it's also the European champs. It's um, it's a relatively hilly, uh, rolling, looped course on the bike, uh, and then a mostly flat, undulating run. Um, the fields aren't as big as we've often seen for a European champ 70.3, but we've got some big names hitting the start line. Uh, Rudy von Berg's flown over for it. Daniel Backergaard, it's his home race. I don't think Max Newman's on the start line and he's super dark on social media and he certainly won't be taking my calls. So um, I'm not sure if he's actually made the journey. Uh, George Goodwin out of the UK is also racing that, who is fantastic over that distance. Uh, Andy Dreitz and then another local Magnus, oh sorry, Magnus Ditlev, who will shred the bike as we're all aware. Um, almost certainly will be first off the off the bike with probably Rudy von Berg, uh, George Goodwin and Daniel Backegaard to tear it up. And it, if I'm honest, I think it comes down to George Goodwin or Daniel Backegaard. Um, it's hard to pick between those two on a good day. And then the women's side, Holly Lawrence. Unfortunately, Daniel Rife's not racing. We haven't, do we have, have we found out why guys? I'm not too sure. Yeah. So, so uh, we, we don't really know why yet, uh, but I did reach out to Holly and Lucy to get their thoughts uh, I shot Lucy over a message and asked if she had anything to say about it. And all she said was, quote unquote, no comment. 
Uh, also from Holly. Holly said, wow, I'm surprised she pulled out. This is all news to me. I'm really hoping she's not injured. Just change of plans. I have huge respect for Daniela, and she's setting a bar high in women's triathlon right now. I am always welcome to the opportunity to race against her and measure up. I am sad she won't be racing this weekend. So, yeah, not really for sure. Uh, definitely hope it's not an injury. Hopefully it's just a schedule shakeup. Um, but maybe when we find out, uh, we can let everyone know. Yeah, and then a couple of other names on the start list. Susie Cheatham, I only mentioned, I don't think she'll perform at the front of the race, but this is her first race back post uh, having had a child fairly recently, so it'd be nice to see her hit the start line again before she tries to crack Ironman Finland, hopefully qualifying for Kona. Um, it's, I think it'll be a two-horse race between Lawrence and uh, Charles Barkley at the front of that race. And after the form we've seen from Lucy, and uh, Holly's off the back of a week gap and a transatlantic flight i think my money's on lucy charles probably yeah i want i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna probably echo what you said mark um i'm really excited you know to see magnus ditlev race yeah. i thought he was fantastic in saint george um you know but everybody that you touched on really we're looking at magnus ditlev we're looking at george goodwin we're looking at daniel backegaard rudy von berg uh, I'd I'd love to see Max Newman step in there, but we're still just not sure if he's ultimately going to race. He's on the list, but he's he's there. After some social media uh, searching in a tagged photo, um, I believe either a girlfriend or training partner. You went deep. Uh, there we go. They are they are in Denmark. All right, so, so let's see what let's. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see how Max Newman performs uh, over this distance. Um, you know, Mark. Look, I think what what you touched on about Holly Lawrence, she. The minute you got to do, I know the bike was shortened, but look, she had to run 21K in the heat, and then you got to rush into the plane. Um, that's that's tough work to recover from. I don't want to bet against Holly, but the reality is is that when you do back-to-back half Ironman uh, with transatlantic travel, it's just, it's tough. It's really tough. And you have to take into account probably the amount of speed work Lucy's been doing for getting ready for short course stuff and things like that. Uh yeah, it's going to be hard to bet against Lucy. Was the last time Lucy raced in Leeds? No, no she, she did. Uh, did. Yeah, Mark, go ahead. She raced a British PTO-sponsored race uh, around Eaton Dorney Rowing Lakes, which she dominated. I, I think she cruised it a little bit, but um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, she she was like 9% behind the winning man, which is tight. She didn't want to go too deep because we know what would have happened, she, who she almost beat. Yeah, yeah, she very nearly um, chicked awful phrase but she very nearly checked her husband who so, had some we'll excuses see. on social media again look let's get to the big show we want to talk about iron man corda lane talbot you're live you're on the ground give it tell, tell us what's going on i am i am here uh i i'm a, i will say i'm a little disappointed i was really looking forward to the men's race and uh after seeing the start list really dwindle down, I think that the women's race will be way more exciting than the men's race. Um, unfortunately, Patrick Nielsen just pulled himself from the start list. You don't have Brent McMahon anymore. Uh, you don't have Nicholas Chase anymore. So, you know, it will be a very, very interesting race. Almost like you, there, there won't be any swimmers up the way. Okay. I mean, one of the fastest swimmers here is Cody Beals which will ultimately, Lionel only swims a little bit slower than him. So I see a way more tactical race now than a trying to get away from Patrick Nielsen race riding very hard at the front, which 
kind of plays into Lionel's favor just because uh, earlier in the week I chatted with Lionel and I said, like, are, are you going to let off the gas for this race? And uh, <laughs> I wish he said, yes, I'm just going to take it easy and punch the KQ. But Lionel told me that is not the heart of the sport. I would never show up to a race that I didn't expect to win. And so I think that uh, we're, we're going to see Lionel at 100% this weekend. Um, personally, for me, I wish he would go a little bit slower. There's no reason to push it, but uh, he said that that's not the heart of the sport, and that's not why he races. So uh, look look basically for Sam and Lionel to come off the bike together up the road. Um, it's going to be a, a bloodbath between them. Right behind them will probably be Cody Beals and Justin Metzler and uh, also um, – Cody Bills, Justin Metzler, and then there was uh, one other. Uh, Matt Russell is another is another good little player in here. Rasmus Simonson, however you say his name, also pulled his name from the start list. So that is the unfortunate thing. But to the better race, I don't know how many of these females are here. I will definitely track that down. We can post that uh, updated on Instagram. But you have Heather Jackson, Carrie Lester, Lindsey Corbin, Imogen Simmons, which will be super exciting She's to watch. Not Lauren Brandon, and then also. No, she's injured. Okay, okay. So, and then uh, also returning, uh, who just showed up back up to the race, Sarah Pimpiano, uh, with her baby. So that will be uh, super exciting to watch. So, men's race, uh, it's going to be a toss up between Sam and Lionel on who wins it. Uh, women's race, you just don't really know. So uh, that will all be on Ironman now this weekend. Um, but yeah, that that's how it should uh, unshake this weekend. All right, Talbot. Here's the thing that's just that I'm trying to wrap my head around. Five a.m. start time. Hey, listen. Help me. I mean, I know it's going to be. I'm. T- I know about the heat, but let's. Uh, hundred well, degrees. How are Did we you? Say how degrees? are you going to wake up on time? I mean, what what time oh, do you? I saw. What I, time I, are you going to go to bed? I glanced over at Lionel's notes. I glanced over at Lionel's notes. <laughs> says three a.m. wake up. Time. You may as well I'm just like, stay in the bar. <gasps> just stay in the bar. Good. Have some espresso martinis and roll to the start. It's a good thing Mark is not here because usually we're out late before the oh race, so it's a good thing God. Mark's not here. One, I wouldn't make it. Uh, the, the, I, I will say the main. They do this for two reasons, Pat. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. They do not want. They do not want the pros to the age groupers to interfere with the pros on the second swim loop, also because of the heat. So they did just send out a note. Iron Man did just send out a note and said, under no circumstances do we plan or have any intentions to shorten the distance wow. due to the weather. So wow. they said it's not going to be shorter. Uh, race forecast has it at 105 on the high for the day. So at one time here it was 114. They ran out of ice. So let's just pray that there's lots of ice on course and volunteers stay around. <laughs> Has he talked to? Did he talk to Andy Potts whenever it was 114 that year that Andy Potts won? Uh, Lionel has no concern about the heat at all due to the fact that he's literally been in Tucson. Yeah, Lionel's been doing long his five hour rides in 114 weather. It's going to be cold for Lionel on race day. He's probably going to be used to getting up pretty early too if he ever wants to beat the heat. Yeah, yeah. It's well, he just trains. He trains almost at the hottest point of the day. But Lionel has actually. Uh, during race week and starts, uh, last night, Lionel was in bed by 7 p.m. Just to get that was my question. He, when has yeah. he been going to bed this yeah. week? What's the oh. whoop got him he, 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 for? Yeah, he went to bed at 7 p.m. and he checks his little whoop strap, uh, that told him that he got like 
eight hours of sleep last night almost. Wow. So, and we woke up this early. This we opened this morning like five or six a.m. to fly. So, he's uh, he's he's slowly got off the caffeine and he's fully turned his body back for race. I mean, day. given given that this race is happening in Idaho, I mean, it's, it's still got to be a wetsuit swim. Five in the morning, sun's down, the lake is still cold. Freezing right? cold. I mean, it's, that it's water, terribly cold, right? Probably s- between 63 degrees. 63 wow. degrees is what so it it's read. It's going to really Fair be, really be two extremes. Okay, so what... Um, Chase, have you seen Lionel's Race Week series? What do you want Talbot to kind of uncover or follow this week? Oh, I think you got to follow the the tri battle royale between Sam Long and Lionel. Like that's the that's the biggest thing. And I think being in Boulder for a couple weeks, I've run into the big unit a couple times. And I have to say, he's he's honestly looking pretty fit. I saw him swimming the other day. I was like, okay, this guy isn't as bad as everyone makes him sound. Can we um, make sure we identify him as the most underrated? All right, guys. Lionel summoning me. We are heading to the swim, so we will see you guys later. Enjoy the rest of the show. Have fun. See you, Talbot. Thanks for joining us, all right, Talbot. See y'all. So now, yeah. now Talbot's gone. Can I? Can I take us away from the Lionel Sanders Appreciation Show back to <laughs> Pro Tri News? Yeah, I was Thank about you. to say good. And just point out that you know Lionel hasn't won an Ironman since 2018, so he he needs to come here and bag a win. Either way, and Lionel and Sam's last results, Lionel finished 17th in his last Ironman and Sam finished 13th in his last Ironman. They are definitely beatable. They keep letting people show that. So I think it would be a bit naive to just sweep out Cody Beal, who, you know, beat Lionel in Montreal Blanc in 2019. Admittedly, Lionel was coming back off an injury. I do still think they're the favourites. But we've got to take away it for our wider audience, you know, our Bolivian fans. We have lots tuning in. That and if this you isn't just North America, and if you could coach those, I guess the athletes that are getting ready for this race on Sunday. What, given the heat, what's the advice, and what can athletes and and people listening to this show understand when they step out on that first run of doing a marathon, and it's going to be incredibly hot. What what. Give us some ideas of what the athletes are going to be thinking about. I think you've just got to watch Patrick Lang's Kona um, aid station video that's so viral and just to see that attention to detail and self-care throughout the run. It's an amazing YouTube video. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's all over Instagram. And he goes through about eight cups. There's a bottle of Coke over his head. There's ice in every pocket. There's sponges. And he does that on every single aid station in Kona. A lot of people, they'll get into a battle and they'll miss some. Because they think you know this point, this point's important. This got to surge this bit. Can't let a gap go then. But once you miss one aid station, you're suddenly, you know, twenty five minutes gap before you're taking on anything that will help you get that core body temperature down. So I think it's just being really disciplined with those basics of hydration, electrolytes on the bike, the correct fitting clothing, ice, etc., and then making sure you're monitoring heart rate rather than just just pace alone because you'll react really differently in the heat and you might have to accept that heart rate might be the governor. What about you, Chase? Heat work? Yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think, um, yeah, another big thing, like you mentioned, is definitely preparation on the bike. I think if you aren't executing, hydrating on the bike and you show up to the run and you're already dehydrated, you're pretty much your race is over. So I think you got to show up to the run feeling good uh, and then you got to hit the aid stations, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on from Coeur d'Alene, can I just throw in Fenella Language from the UK? She is um, a wicked 70.3 athlete. She um, is super fast in the swim. She can probably hold Lauren Brandon. Um, she's very aero and dialed on the bike. She's been training with um, 
Heather Jackson out there for a bit. She's been living out stateside for a while. This is her first Ironman, so I'm not saying she's going to run away with a win, but expect to see Fenella at the front of the race, certainly until the run, um, unless something goes wrong for her. Just a, just an exciting Ironman debut. I got a handful of things. I got a handful of things. Go Hit it. All right. One, I think Talbot is discounting Justin Metzler's swim ability. I think Justin Metzler will be first out of the swim, and he'll be able to pull a little bit further away on the bike than... I think people are giving him credit for. Um, Two, I think that this is Heather Jackson's big day that she's going to come back with a vengeance after, um, I feel like, I wouldn't say underperforming this year, but I feel like her swim has been lacking, and I think that she's been working really hard on that, and I think that she's going to prove that she is probably the best U.S. Ironman full-distance athlete. Um, And then... The other thing, I think the weather is going to play a huge factor uh, with it being multiple loops on the swim, multiple loops on the bike, and multiple loops on the run. I think that it's going to be very spectator friendly, and it's going to give the athletes a lot of opportunities to see each other and where they're at. Mark, is Lionel winning this thing? Yes or no? Yeah. I, if, I had to, if, I to, if I had to gamble and bet on it, I think Lionel wins probably. I think his run economy is really good. I think I can't see him, you know, getting dropped on the bike. Absolutely no heart, no hope whatsoever. I can, I could see Sam never catching Lionel. You know, quite possibly if that gap's quite big out the swim, Lionel could go ballistic. I don't think that'll happen. But yeah, if I have to put money on it, I'm putting it on Lionel. But I, I yeah. can't wait to see it. I bash them yeah. both because they get too and much I, hype. I mean, look, great. it's it's it is important to note too that this race does have a. Uh, it's very, very important for Lionel to perform here because his he needs to kind of qualify. He needs to yeah. validate. He needs to earn earn the ability to race in October. Absolutely, um, that is stressful. You know, it's uh, I don't I don't want to under I don't want to talk you know too much about it. But I mean that that's the reality of the situation. The, the stakes are high. Yeah, I I agree, but I I, th- I think he wins it. I, I and the women's side, it's it's a hard guess. I'm not quite sure who we get it back. Probably yeah. Heather Jackson, but hey, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carl just ahead. stepped out. Do you want to move on to the next, the next race we've got coming up, which is yeah? I challenge. think we've talked enough about Lionel. Yeah, good for you, Chelsea. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, challenge Kaiswinkel, which is a Euro Champs ITU middle distance, which is on Sunday. Uh, honestly, I I don't know much to talk about this other than the fact that Anne Haug and Nicholas Spirig are on the start list together. Now, Rudy von Berg's on it, and a couple are, but they're they're also at, at, at the other event, so. If the only thing I'm interested in here is if Anne Haug and Nicholas Spirig go head to head, that's a race I want to see. Um, Nicholas Spirig has the most interesting Olympic prep schedule in the world, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she's been doing 70.3s as prep. You know, she did this back in um, 2012. She did a 70.3, not, I think it was only two weeks before the games. So um, no surprise there, I guess. I think she raced like European Super Sprint championships last week too what a change in distance yeah yeah we didn't talk about that there was a the european champ what was it called in kitzbühel i think it was like the european championships Championships. she ended up fourth i don't know if 3k was a bit short for her but yeah a bit snappy if she brings any of the fire she bought in gran canaria um and how's gonna have a real difficult time catching her you know imogen simmons is is not the same 
athlete is Nicholas Briggers. I don't know how flat and fast the bike course is. I think the reason she's done it is that the bike course has got 1,100 metres of elevation, which isn't a lot, but it's enough to keep Nicholas Briggs in a race against Dan Haug. So that I'll be tuning in for that as well. Have we got anything else on that race? Not really. No. Next, Rev3 Williamsburg. This is out of my territory, this. Um, this is another... What I will touch on is this is these are the PTO races where they are injecting money into these unbranded events. Um, they will argue that it is to provide some funding for athletes, um, much needed funding in terms of prize money. But, you know, when Lucy Charles wins them, it's not that helpful. When an unknown athlete wins them, it's really helpful. It makes a big difference to their careers. Um so on the start list, you've got Sam Appleton, who's an excellent athlete. Uh, Starkey's on it. He's a really older, I think. Apo has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I saw him the other day on the bike. He, he's a, definitely going to be a force. In yeah, race. he's a great athlete. He's an, a really good swimmer, really balanced athlete. His run's let him down, hasn't it? And I think in the past, on a few 70.3s, but he'll probably be first off the bike there, and I'd, I'd probably bet on Sam Appleton to win it. And Seeker Henry, uh, first African-American pro-female. Um... I didn't know this. This is a note from um, from Talbot. Emma Pallant's on the start list as well. Daniel Lewis and Leslie Smith. Emma Pallant, the race she's going at the moment, I'd, I'd struggle to bet against Emma Pallant for that win there. Yeah, that's um, right. Just to cover those PTO races, though, a little bit. So we're still having rumbling dramas from Eaton Dorney uh, about the, now the points that have come out of it in the women's race. They look kind of crazy. I spoke to the PTO, the guy that does the points for them, and, for instance, third place at Eton Dorney, a race we didn't even cover or talk about, scored more points than uh, Anne Haug did for winning St. Poulton. And she scored more points than Emma Pallant did for winning Florida, for instance. And how do they justify that? So he, he articulates it very well. They look at predicted course times and then they look at trying to balance it out by the calibre of athlete that wins the race assessing how good that performance was and then they might look at the difference in percentage between pro females and pro males to understand if one half had a particularly good race but you only have to know the athletes to start alarm bells ringing that yeah like um the third place female at uh, Eton Dorney is a very very good athlete but she's not a 70.3 specialist she is not an Emma Pallant winning Florida she's not Anne Haug running at 114 to run down Imogen Simmons. So the point system is one issue with these smaller races. And the other issue is that the amount of drafting was just a joke. And my issue with it is just by the PTO giving 15 grand to a race doesn't make it a professional race. It makes it an amateur run race with 15 grand of prize money. And I think for those to have enough credibility to give points out that then affect massive, massive end of year bonuses, um, challenge champs, qualifications, Collins Cup, sorry, uh, all those kind of things. I think they need to start to understand that the race organisers have to be of a quality enough to assure professionalism and a professional standard race. Just money doesn't cut it. That's Agreed. my rant on those yeah. races. No, 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 appreciate that. Which race were we talking about? Uh, we've Rev, gone through Rev, Rev Williams. We finished Rev 3, yeah. And then Kaiser Winkle? Yep, and now we're on to Port Douglas in Australia. Chelsea, Chase. Yeah, I mean, this would be a pretty, probably just a sharpener for them. I don't think there's any Olympic points or anything. I mean, we do know that Australia hasn't publicly selected their Olympic squad. I think it's safe to say that they've 
um, internally, announced. internally announced and all those athletes have been notified and are, I'm sure there's appeals going on. I'm sure there's appeals going on within federations that beyond Australia too. Um, I think there, I heard their tribunal meets tomorrow and so I think we can expect announcements within the next few days. But um, yeah, if you want, we have got kind of all their top Australians and Kiwis. Who racing. do you guys think, who do you guys think that the Australian team should be? Chase, you, Chase, you and Chelsea probably already know, so I, you guys might. Do know. you guys? I, I don't know for do sure. Guys, do you know? But I, I don't know. I, I, I was talking with Matt Hauser a couple days ago, um, and he, he didn't confirm it, but he low key said sort of like he expects it to be finalized soon. Um, I would expect Matthew Hauser to be on that team, no doubt, and then I think they're going to be choosing between. Um, Luke William and Aaron Royal for the third spot outside of Burt Whistle. And I honestly, I would assume they pick Aaron Royal to domestique for Burt Whistle. Um, I'm going to second what he said. I think Hauser's the I obvious said. relay choice, and I think Royal's the obvious domestique for Jake choice. So that's, yeah. I think, pretty yeah. overwhelmingly. The tough part there is, though, that Luke William earned that spot. You know, he, he, I guess he was the guy that bumped, he moved into the top 30, right? And so did yep. Aaron Royal, though, too. Yeah, Luke definitely bumped, jumped a bunch of those guys by winning that Conti Champs. But I do I think he'll realistically Fisher. be left off. And he said, um, I said the same thing to him. I said it, it would make complete sense for him to domestique for Jacob. And then just pull him off and just use Matthew Hauser and Jacob Burtwistle for the relay. I mean, that's like a no-brainer. Here's the thing. Matt Hauser, fantastic relay athlete, so no-brainer pick there. Uh, the other reality now that you have is Aaron Royal cha- trains with Jake Burtwistle, has trained with Jake Burtwistle for almost eight years. Um, they know each other. They know how to ride together. Australia better be looking and reflecting on their Commonwealth gold silver medal that they got in uh, Gold Coast and realize that not providing Jake with a domestique cost them a gold medal at Com Games. It's very simple. Uh, if you have an athlete like Jake Burtwistle, you need to support him to earn a gold medal at the games and give him a domestique. Aaron Royal will be the best in the business at doing that job. I think that's a fair point, but I think we're not always realizing how hard it really is to... If Jake Burtwistle's a minute back out of the swim, Aaron Royal is not going to ride him up to that front group of guys. And I mean, he can certainly do what he can to minimize the work Jake has to do and protect him if he is in a pack. But, I mean, these races have too many strong guides for Aaron Royal to single-handedly take down a pack. The interesting thing in this race is there's going to be, like, I mean, there's going to be, like, ten guys in the race that are supposedly domestiquing for other people. That's right, yeah. So when Um, I think of domestiques, I think about mitigating exposure. So we're just trying to mitigate some exposure that Jake has. If Jake has a swim that he's had it sometimes where he comes out of the water and he's the last bike in transition, he's screwed. He's got it. Jake has to have a great swim um, and Aaron would have to do his job. So yeah, Chelsea, you're absolutely correct. He, you can't, Aaron can't overcome every situation, but maybe he can overcome seven of the 10 that are presented to him. So agreed. And I think Chase is a good point. I mean, I'll have, Nine more domestiques to fall back on. So as long as you come out around Blumenfeld, you're probably good. <laughs> or the, <good> other, stuff. <laughs> the other interesting thing about that is, 
let's not act like Jake Burtwistle's been racing super well. You know, yeah, swam, fair enough. He swam pretty well in leads, um, but he didn't obviously run up to his standard. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes in the form for the Olympics. And I and I think he swam fantastic in leads and clearly just was not there on the run. Have you heard any whispers, Chase, or do you, do you know why that is? No, yeah, I haven't heard anything. I think um, that team seems like they're keeping a lot of things pretty tight. I know also I think there's a lot of rumors going around about, about Vince as well. Um, but yeah, Jake swam great in, in Leeds, and uh, he just didn't have it on the run. Like, yeah. yeah. All right, Mark, you had your hand up. What's the, Yeah, what, what? I, I just wanted to ask Chase. To, we, we've debated between you, Chelsea, me, and the rest about how effective domestiques actually are at ITU racing. And I want Chase's take. Are they a good tool to play, or are they sometimes just a waste of a pick? What do you reckon? We'll Dom hide sticks. this. We'll we'll hide this for the next two Olympics when USAT's making a decision. Yeah, yeah. We'll because we'll, we'll, we know you're a front pack swimmer, so yeah. We'll, no, we'll hide I, this podcast. What do you so reckon? No Domestique, yay or nay? I say yay. I think it depends on the country. Um, I think you know it's it depends kind of how what kind of individual racer you have. Like for example, if you have a Morgan Pearson and like kind of like Pat said, you can mitigate some risk for him. There's obviously a lot of benefit in that. But if you have a guy that's not a good swimmer, kind of like Chelsea said, it's not like you're going to single-handedly pull him to the front of the race. So I think it's kind of dependent on the situation for each country and who they have racing. Um, when you have a medal contender, though, and then maybe you don't have another medal contender, then I think use the spot for a domestique. I like it. You actually made a decision. So often we just <laughs> end up trying to be PC and bounce around both sides of an argument to keep everyone happy. Domestics it is. Yeah, it'll be interesting, honestly, too. I don't know what the situation is with the the U.S. Obviously, there were, there's a lot of drama in that in those selections, but I don't know how they're playing it for for Morgan. I'm not really sure. The 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 complexity too of adding a relay as an Olympic event and then considering a domestique is interesting too. I think you have a finite amount of spots, and I mean, looking at a country like the U.S., whether they're prioritizing a relay or someone that could be a domestique potentially, I think that. Yeah, whether you leave athletes out of an individual race to focus on a relay, there's just so many more things to think about when there's this third triathlon in the Olympics. I I think we'll end up reflecting on Australia's decisions, and they will have, earning that third spot will have given them so much more flexibility in their picks. We'll see if it works out, if they earn a medal because of it, but... I believe they're gonna. They have an opportunity to pick a team that satisfies the needs of their relay and the individual in the best way possible. What I about the women's that. team? I'll also what give you. I'll give you a hot take too on the men's. The men's Australian team. I think I say Matt Hauser is the top finisher in the individual race for the Australian guys. Whoa! <laughs> I also think he's top ten. I think he finishes top ten. All right, so that's, I mean, do if they, he's 10th in the top... Do they start him or save him for the relay, though? Or do they have him DNF and save himself for the relay? Uh, boy, I mean, it, the problem is, is is if Australia comes home without a medal, um, you know, in the individual, that's one thing. But if they don't get, they need they need a gold or a silver medal in this relay. To they, I mean, that, if they don't get a gold or silver, it's the Olympics are considered a failure for them. I, I can't also wait think till there's, we there's yeah there's a lot on the line with the women too I think they know that they have to win a relay or win, like be in the middle of contention for the relay and I think their men are obviously capable of that the interesting thing is going to be how they play the women because 
you know, you have Ashley, obviously, who's an amazing runner, but if she's losing ground on the swim, then, you know, you can be out of it instantly. So we'll see. I think I think they picked Jazz for uh, their third spot there. Okay, so I think they're going to go something like Emma Jeffco, Jazz Hedgeland, along with uh, Ashley Gentle, and they're going to have they're going to have now thirty days to get them ready or to see how they can then sort it out within the relay. Uh, I want. Can I bring a fun fact to the race in Port Douglas this weekend that we should keep our eyes Please. on? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, opening race for former Olympic gold medalist Hamish Carter has a son named Austin who got into triathlon, and it's Austin's first ITU race this weekend in port douglas so i think that's cool seems you know we're triathlon has now been around long enough where we're starting to see some children of former gold medalists and i think this is going to be really fun i'm told that he comes uh from a surfing background uh, i believe also some rowing and he's a he's got a fantastic 50 and 100 meter sprint in him um and he's also a really really good runner still runs uh with his dad hamish and Hamish, I guess, likes to always take the long way home. So, do, that's you, do you know how old he is? 18. LA, 2028. 20, Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is Port Douglas a sprint or it is an Olympic? I got to believe it's a sprint. I got to believe they're doing a sprint. It's a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add one more ITU little thing that's going on that I've been talking to quite a few people about that's kind of interesting? Please. So is, it know, hot take? is it a hot take it, material? It's kind or of a hot take. It's kind <laughs> of All right, of let, me hit the hot take. let me hit the hot okay. take button okay. so we okay. can get going. All right, go ahead. <laughs> oh, this is the first one. Okay, I guess I just want to know everyone's opinion. Do you think, so the way with the relay introduced to triathlon and part of the whole qualification period, there are only 55 spots allowed for men and allowed for women, and that all includes relay athletes. So say a country has an athlete that they're bringing to the Olympics as one of those allocated 55 spots, but they want to save them for the relay. They could potentially hold that athlete from the individual race, either against the athlete's will or the athlete is on board, um, which would have the total starting number of athletes in the individual race be less than 55, meaning there's potentially 53 or even 50 athletes starting that individual race because countries want to save their guys for the relay, which would, would mean that, say, someone who is on the qualifying list in a 56 or 57 who doesn't get their Olympic berth is now left out of going to Tokyo only to have an unfull uh, individual race. Do you think that this is something that I... Sorry, World Triathlon needs to amend and kind of get sorted for the next Olympics. Is this fair? Does it make the sport look bad to have an unfull start? It's really hard, Chelsea, to manage or to dictate the effort that somebody should place into a race. So I agree. I think it's a really bad look for 10 people to withdraw from doing the individual. However, if we go back and look at previous Olympics, that front group really consists of 20 athletes, and then there's another group of 20 that isn't in the race. I think you're gonna separate it, but it's really hard to, I don't know what procedure to put in place to say, look, we're gonna, we want 55 on the start line, and we want 55 people to give it their all. I don't know how you, 
how you manage that. And it's just like the, the relay athletes could just start, be domestique, stop the run. I, I, don't, I don't know how to create a policy that says like, we're gonna have the entire start list do their best. Do you not just spread it further and make the most of the length of the Olympic calendar? I know they try and get certain sports over and done with and in and out, but you've got the 27th is the women's and then the 31st is the, the relay and the men's is the day before the women's. Why don't you just put one in the one in the first few days of the Olympics and then the other in two weeks gap between them? Possible. Here's the other thing. Uh, the Olympics only allows certain a certain number of seats for athletes to come into the games. So triathlon had to, um, when they lobbied very, they made a big lobby to bring the relay into the sport. The Olympics said, Yes, we will allow this new race. However, no new athletes can come in. So figure it out. Give us, show us how you're going to use the athletes that are already here to do the relay race. Does that make sense, Mark? Yeah. I mean, you could just put the relay first. Put the relay first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then race the Olympic next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then that's like a warm up. I haven't even thought about this. I was just thinking, like, what if there's in a country that has two people uh, racing for the relay and somebody like gets injured in the individual race, I guess they have an alternate on standby to bring them in, but, but doesn't that kind of like open the opportunity for a country to like race someone in the individual race, kind of like fake an injury and then bring in someone different for the relay? I think I can't you've got to nominate. They have a pretty, I think you've they've got, got a pretty strict Okay. They've got a pretty strict policy or procedure in place for confirming an injury. I guess it has to go through like two separate, uh, I don't know, panels or people to wow. actually Russian confirm doctors, it's indeed injury. Sure. Yeah, Russian doctors. The other interesting thing with the Olympics, at least in the men's race, um, no Richard Varga. That's going to change the race, I think. He's obviously not been swimming as well as he has in the past, but it's one less guy to push the pace. Chase, you're a fantastic swimmer. Does Richard Vargo, do you think he really accelerates the front of the swim and that will have an impact on the Olympics? Or do you think that he's just a great swimmer and will always come out first? Or do you really think he's causing a break in the chain somewhere? I think he's capable of causing a break in the chain. Now, in Leeds, you know, maybe he, he wasn't swimming as good as he's capable of, but I think for the Olympics, he knows he's not in contention for a medal. He shows up in super good swim shape to get some screen time, tries to come out of the water first, tries to make the race as hard as possible. Um, I think... He's know, no longer on a Brownlee payroll though. Yeah, that's so. true. Um, I would expect though, you know, so you'll still have skewing up there, pushing the pace. You'll have, a, you'll have a few guys that want the breakaway to stick, even like Vincent Louie, honestly, um, to try to stay away from these runners like Morgan and Alex and Yelly. All right, next hot take. Let's just revisit the try battle. Mark. <laughs> Why, just because Talbot and Lionel aren't on line now? Is that what we, we're going to get <laughs> the thing, The thing is, is we've had a lot of people being like, what's the point? Like, Lionel's literally beat Jan one time and it was Jan was injured. So the, the reason I, I I got convinced a little bit, the reason I think... So let's be, let's be honest, Jan was false in his in his putting out there, oh, guys, suggest me a physical challenge for me to do this summer. Let, <laughs> let, let my people, my fans decide what I do. I've got this amazingly wrecked, sussed out, world 
championship time breaking course in my back pocket that's been authorised by the German government, the, the most awkward bureaucratic department in the entire universe. What, ready to go? I just happen to have it. No, so he's obviously had this course planned for months, if not years, in an attempt to try and break his own time based in Roth. So, yes, that was already ready to go. And then this challenge came along. And I think what Jan, what Lionel brings to the party isn't a competitor, because I don't think Jan really needs a competitor. I think it brings an air of credibility to the race. I think, Lionel, I said this offline last time, Lionel has this air of, um, just integrity about him. He's such a die-hard athlete, you know, the, the thought of, of Lionel taking a shortcut in a race just seems kind of unfathomable. Whether you're a fan of his or not, he, he just seems like that sort of athlete. And by putting him on that start line, it gives credibility to Jan's world record attempt, in my opinion. It's someone else there that when, when Jan does it, because I do think he'll do it, when Jan does it, Lionel's there to go, no, this was all genuine above board. And he also brings in a half a million followers on his YouTube channel to the race. How do we feel, you know, I'm ultimately like, I think of the two times that the sub two hour event was tested and I'm, and I'm emotionally bought into this event, right? But do we believe that this will have a impact for the sport of triathlon similar to what the, the two hour project had? I say yes for one reason and one reason only. When Jan did the indoor record last year during COVID. Lionel, sorry. Sorry, when Jan did the indoor yeah, he, Ironman that's right. record. Oh, yeah. yeah, got you, sorry. Yeah. Um, it was like worldwide. I was reading the article that Triathlete Magazine put out and I, I completely forgot, but it was like, it made it all the way to like CNN Malaysia. Like all these people were watching this attempt. There was over 300 million people watching him do this indoor event. So I think it will change the sport. That's, that's, that's how I feel. Bowl. That's like Super Bowl territory. Million. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I don't really think records exist in Ironman. I know that's daft, but I don't. No, um, I would agree. The women's Ironman. Sorry, Pat, go on, yeah. No, 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 I agree with you. There's no, the I don't, I just think of it was in when I think of the sub two hour attempt, I think of it was it was an event where they had a goal and they wanted to achieve something. And I, my hope is is that people watch this and it's a sporting event that they think, wow, this was like this was cool. We saw two titans of the industry race against each other, and it's and it was cool. And whether we can talk about, I don't really get excited about Ironman world records because I don't really think they exist but i think the two of them racing where they're going as hard as they can I'm, I'm excited to see that yeah we'll get our measuring stick out this weekend because we'll find out how good lionel's swim has become this weekend yeah because rubber's going to meet the road and we'll actually find out how far he has advanced his swim in the last two years since his last full ironman and who gets in, who gets the advantage in that head-to-head race that the fact that no one else is racing is that Lionel's i think lionel does I think Lionel does because Jan gets pulled up the road. I mean, Jan does doesn't not. get pulled up the road. <laughs> I'm Mark. I know. I know. See? We're on opposite sides of this coin. And the Jan Atlantic. Get pulled we're, up the road. We're on opposite sides of the Atlantic. I think is the important right, thing. Right. Right. You know, Patrick can't ride a bike. He gets towed up the road. Jan gets towed up the road, except when they're on their own, and then they're really damn quick on a bike as well. It seems. You know, Jan destroyed Frankfurt um, solo. He drops Alistair Brownlee, whatever the American McDonald, you know, whoever it was in Tim O'Donnell, Tim O'Donnell. I'm, only, I'm only joking. He <laughs> dropped them for, for, for nothing with 40k to go in Hawaii on his own road in. But 
I honestly believe Yang could end up riding all three splits faster. Well, he certainly, look, no question he's going to do the swim faster. Um, I have some intel, you know, on what they're doing to achieve a very fast swim. And then logistically, you've got to think about this. They're in, in the attempt to break the record. They're going to come out of the water. Your bike's going to be right there. So they're going to grab... Mark, how many minutes are they going to grab right there back in their favor? Three? I, I reckon at, uh, probably across both transitions, you're going to take about four minutes, aren't you? You know, in Ironman transitions, two minutes a piece. No, no. So if you're, if you're straight out, maybe you're going to take about three and a half minutes. So, okay, so that, and then that's going to happen. I think there will be something different happening on the road in a lap scenario where Jan and Lionel can see each other more frequently. I have no idea who that benefits, but I, I do know that for both of them, this is going to be a first-time scenario when they get on course together. This is going to be also the first time, I think, that Jan has ran a full marathon Ironman simulation in his Hoka's. Do we think equipment's going to play that big of a role, at least in the run? I think that more equipment will be on the bike. The fact that Jan has a, um, a car behind him with a spare bike on the roof for the bike means he can ride almost ridiculous track tires. He can you know, take huge risks on equipment because he knows he just has to dump that bike and grab a new one. So I think that, I think that the difference there between his ASICs he ran in, because he had a, a, an all blacked out custom pair of ASICs carbon plated shoe for Hawaii last year, so or the year before. I think that I think the, the equipment challenges excites me. It, I, I'm only knocking it because it's not a real world record. It, it excites me in terms of the logistics of it, the intricacies, the sports science that's gone into it, the hype. It, it definitely excites me. Cool. Okay, more to come Love on it. that. More to come. We'll have a whole episode about it. Uh, the last thing I wrote this in here. It's not really a hot take. It's just obvious. Uh, Des Moines and Coeur d'Alene having weaker start lists. Uh, just because Europe is starting to open up and we have Ironman UK starting uh, next weekend and um, 70.3 European champs this weekend. So it's happy, but at the same time, all of these fields are going to get substantially weaker without any European or Australian athletes. I'm bombing about that. I was loving these like just super stacked uh, yeah. races that we got on the front end of the year. I was, I'm a... Uh, I'm kind of bumming that we had to talk about so many 70.3s and these different like kind of oddball races. I, I loved when it was like Ironman Galveston, formerly Who Cares, and then it just became like the Galveston World Championships, and I was like, this is cool. So a little bit bummed for the sport right now. Um, really thrilled that this weekend in Coeur d'Alene we're going to have the Facebook feed back up. Just so many, so much positivity around uh, the viewing on that. So really thrilled that it's going to have uh, coverage again. Chase, what do you got? What do you got left the rest of the season? Uh, so I'm racing the Continental Cup in Long Beach in the middle of July. That's our U23 Worlds qualifier. Um, and that that's the race that they're going to use for the Olympics in 2028, correct? Correct. I don't know if Is that's the be idea. The exact course. The course that I saw that I'm racing does not look like an Olympic course. It looks pretty lame. Um, but we'll where was that? Sorry, sorry, Chase. Repeat that. I was just saying that, uh, yeah, I'm racing in Long Beach in the middle of July. Okay, and... <laughs> but but let's, I want to give the audience, so you said that the course looks pretty benign, right? Chase, don't yeah. tell me there's cones on the course, because... Don't even get, I'm going <laughs> to lose, I'm going to lose it. But here's oh. what I want to, here's what I want to tell the audience about that. 
So forever, the forecast for Rio was that they were going to go up and down Copacabana Beach. It was going to be a hot dog bike circuit, totally flat, right? Less than two years before the games, they said, "Mm -mm, we found this crazy hill off the course and we're going to go up that hill and it's 20 some percent. And then we're going to go down, crazy descent, right turn, up another hill and back on. So Chase, what I want you to really be aware of when you're at the venue in Long Beach is where there could be these other little things where they create uh, some sort of excitement on the course because forever Rio was supposed to be a very, very benign course. So Chase, Pat wants you to build the Olympic course. I want you to. I want you to. Month. I want you to think. And I want you to put your creativity cap on and go. Where? How could they make this a little bit more interesting? So we get. I think, I think we could task. <laughs> we could probably there, task Alec with that because he lives there. Yeah, the key there too is we need to make sure that the organizers aren't trying to make the course as cheap as they can. I think that's, you know, that's the big restriction is they're trying to close one road not block a lot of traffic they just want to do one out and back on the same road and yeah so for your so for your test event that's one thing but i think look around geographically where they could go because i think for the actual test event in the olympics it will be uh sky's the limit yeah la is a pretty big place so yeah that's true but they're gonna they're gonna test they're gonna test that long beach spot for transition and some other things but but growing the course from that area if there's if there's a hill nearby or some some crazy chicanes i think they're gonna go they're gonna go find them and you have seven years to work on this yeah exactly that's right yeah all right chase sorry for interrupting you got you got legacy try uh yeah so i'll do that i'm i'm in boulder until uh until that race or really until morgan leaves for the olympics i'm here helping him with some swimming and getting exposed to, you know, a different level of training with him. Um, after Long Beach, I'll hopefully race U23 Worlds in Edmonton. And then after that, try to target some of the World Cups and potentially getting into a, another WTS. We'll see. Okay, have they said anything about Edmonton being canceled or moved? Because all the triathlons in Canada have been just absolutely yeah, I mean, even even like hockey has been shelled out, which I mean, that's obviously a way bigger deal than yeah. Um, I have I have intel that the Canadian races are pretty good to go forward. I think they have. I mean, they're loosening their restrictions a little bit. They just decided that uh, Canadians can enter without quarantine if they're vaccinated. But I think they'll likely have a bubble scenario at both Montreal and Edmonton, which are WTS is in uh, August. And like that's obviously worked in Yokohama and Leeds. So Chase, we Chase, we need your hot take. Um, you're training with Morgan. Are we think? Are we looking at a? Are we looking at the first U.S. gold medal for the men? You can put um, throw silver in there too. Give us all, Give us some. Give a you know gold, silver, bronze. Yeah, what I'm, we- I'm. I'm. I don't mean to put him on the spot like this, but I. Seeing him in training, I'm confident he can win a medal. Across the board, he... You know, the biggest thing is he's fit. Um, He's just got to show up healthy and mentally ready to race. That's right, yeah. I think he he obviously feels... You know, it's a lot of pressure, and he's got a lot on his mind, but the biggest thing is he just can't overdo it at this point. Like, he's ready to go. I Yeah, I mean, he's obviously... We know the runner he is on the bike. He's super strong right now, and... Swimming with him in the pool, I would I would consider myself a good, really good pool swimmer, and he's like, he's right there, he's firing on all cylinders and everything. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a few things that he can touch up and work on before the games, but he's definitely ready. 
All right. One last thing. Have you practiced dunking him in the pool? <laughs> We've done some open water stuff, and he, at least once a time he tries to dunk me just to make a joke about it. But, um, yeah, it's all Do you have, like, PTSD? Do you have, like, PTSD from it? Getting dunked? How long <laughs> Honestly, were you held like, underwater? How long were you he, held well, underwater? You weren't phased by it. Did you even notice it? No. I mean, to be completely honest, like, that stuff does happen the entire race pretty much. Um, and I think... Yeah, to be at the front of the race and have it happen by Alistair, like, it was just a big deal, I guess, to people watching. But in the race, it's like, it's whatever, right? All right. We're at 64 minutes. we got to wrap this, this up. This is going to be our longest one yet. Yeah, it's a record Four It's a record this weekend pod. just absolutely put us over. Yeah, we, mind it. So. we managed to talk about it next week. Yeah, let's... Um, we look forward to Coeur d'Alene, and I'm thrilled to chat with you guys next week. Today, Chelsea, today do you want to give everyone a, a preview of who we're going to have on next week? Oh yeah! Leave it a surprise. Surprise. Yeah, I feel like I feel like surprise. Maybe we'll, this isn't relevant, but we totally should have like at least had a little section about the track and field trials and Gwen. Like, how cool is that? Like, <laughs> that place. That's amazing. Yeah, Thanks, good Chase. point. It is incredible. <laughs> really enjoyed tracking that. We get to watch her again, in addition to another triathlete in the 10K trials in a few days here. Her and Lauren Goss. That's right in the now, 10K on what, Saturday what's night. What's her new last name? Hurley. Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, so. we will have two exciting guests next time. Surprise. Oh. Let's do it. This is great. So Chase, thank you so much for coming on. Mark, thanks for staying up late. Uh, you guys, look, we're getting tons of DMs, text messages, uh, just people that are tuning into the podcast and giving us their opinion. We love that. Keep it coming. Um, we want to. We want to hear what you guys all think of the podcast and and do us a favor. Go give us whatever you got to do on Apple Podcasts. Let's blow this thing out of the water. So thanks, guys.